Welcome back to The Basement, fellow music lovers, one and all. You are now tuning into yet another exciting episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. We have sort of a wild podcast for you this week uh, for a couple of reasons. The first and, and foremost reason is that we're going to be uh, talking about the new Bon Iver album, Justin Vernon's new new jam, 22 a million. And I'm going to do something I, I don't normally uh, do, and, and well, I do it a little in these intros, but, but I'm going to talk about this a little bit um, to prep you for this. This is a hard conversation. Uh, you can look over and see how I felt about it in the, in the little sidebar there. I, I 100% passed on this album, uh, and in my opinion, this is this album is, is is the kind of sort of unmitigated wreck that comes along uh, once in a while. Uh, that I don't know if it has to happen, uh, but but it, but it just does. And more often than not, these albums are held up uh, as as from the pinnacle of art because people don't understand them. But I, I want to prep you for this to say it's okay. Not only is it okay that you don't understand an album, but it's okay. For an artist that you love, uh, and an artist that is is good and vital to make a bad album. Think of every artist that you've ever known, and they have a bad album. They probably have a lot of bad albums, actually, uh, in in their catalog. So, you know, when we we go in on this uh, this latest set from uh, from Justin Vernon here, uh, just remember, we're just talking about this. We're talking about this particular set, our reaction to it. I know everybody has different reactions to it. Uh, our spirit animals up there in Chicago sound opinions, though, pretty aligned with us uh, and, uh, and and call it like they see it, and uh, that's what we're doing. So so that's happening uh, in this podcast. We're also uh, on to important stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, Blue, Bluegrass Country out of WAMU. That fell uh, fell in some bad times is now up for sale. People are trying to save it. People are trying to ma- raise money. So Eduardo, uh, sort of our resident folk and bluegrass uh, aficionado, is going to fill you in on that. And then after this, because um, I, I, I like to recognize, uh, again, back to the Bonnie Vare real quick, uh, I, I've never been a massive fan, uh, but I certainly recognize how he changed his album, at least for, uh, for Emma Forever Ago, changed the uh, indie landscape. A little bit. Uh, it definitely influenced the person that we're going to play a track from. But as so often happens, uh, these things influence people, and then they produce, uh, to my mind, better work. I'm not trying to, you know, both are good, I think. But but our friend Louis Weeks. Uh, it's been a while since we talked about him, and so we're going to play a, a track from last year from him, just to refresh your memory if you hadn't heard him. Um, and that's the podcast for this week. So if you're ready, you're sitting down, got a beverage. Uh, fall is here. Uh, so hopefully it's like a cidery thing. Maybe it's a, it's a nice, nice little bourbon drink. Uh, here we go. This is episode number two hundred and twenty-four of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Bonnie Vare, twenty-two a million. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter. One man leaves. Merely a two-word review. Just a. Sandwich. I will roll the I'm gonna, I'm gonna Isn't land. that one of the song names? I'll, I'll save <laughs> my feelings. <laughs> oh, that's one that got on the Grammy. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the basement, everyone. Uh, Eduardo, uh, look, the 311 CDs are looking on point, sir. I've been. Uh, yeah, I have a Windex technique to Excellent. keep them really shiny. I, and, I enjoy you know, it. You have to orient them vertically too, so that they just look nice. Every time you open the CD cover, the jewel case, yeah. you just see that you can read all the song titles. It's, yes, that's you know, important. I'm looking out for you. Know, you. you know who was fucking around with uh, 311 a little bit? Lucy Dacus. I saw that. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> and now, I saw now, that on Twitter. <laughs> now, I, I, Lucy, if you're listening, well, we are. We are going to have our revenge because I legitimately went and listened to that goddamn album. <laughs> Investigate three eleven. Yes. Uh, so uh, and and new to the basement here, uh, but not new to the site here. 
Uh, Mr. Mauricio Castro, how you doing, Mauricio? I am doing fine. Excellent. How about you? I'm pretty good. Uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about where you're coming from here? Uh, well, I'm from Florida. If you want, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You should have been here for Florida here. Georgia Line then. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's a little bit too close to home, is guys. It, I'm it, out of Florida it, for a reason. It's legislated that you must enjoy Florida Georgia Line. Oh, uh, kind of. But you know, it's like in New Jersey. <laughs> you have to like Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi. I mean, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Whatever. I, uh, but yeah, I do photography for the site. I usually write about concerts, shoot shows. Um, this is my first time, uh, sharing my feelings about an album with other people. So feelings, we'll see feelings how this is a good word to use for this one. Feelings I think is a very good word. I, we all have many feelings. I think in, in case you, uh, in, in case you haven't, uh, you lack reading comprehension, which is possible. <laughs> this is the beauty <laughs> we, of, we probably this, do have a fair number this, of listeners. This, this is the beauty of podcast. You don't have to read. That's right. <laughs> I mean, but uh, this week we're talking about Bonnie Vare's new album, Twenty Two A Million. Um, that's twenty two, not comma, not a million. Uh, twenty two, comma a million. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're gonna get into that in a minute. But before that, Eduardo, you brought up something, and you've been sort of trying to push this uh, for the past few weeks, I think. Um, I have been because I think it's it's one of those weird stories that um, it's it's a little DC centric, but it's been around for a while, and I think it's uh, probably broadly uh, true and of interest. So. We've had for many years here, um, a, uh, uh, we have two NPR affiliates. One is WMU. And for mm-hmm. many years, up until the early 2000s, um, WMU from 3 to 6 p.m. every day would play Bluegrass Country, uh, which was kind of an amazing thing to think of. Um, you know, the nation's capital, we talk a lot about go-go and the hip-hop scene here and all these other things. Yeah. DC is actually kind of a major hub in terms of bluegrass, not just in terms of uh, the preservation of, uh, you know, the folkways piece and um, the sort of curator part of it, but actually in, um, you know, a lot of uh, Appalachian musicians coming out of the South when they were moving to major metropolitan areas and they brought music. Um, DC had uh, John Duffy and uh, the Country Gentlemen, uh, the Johnson Mountain Boys, the Seldom Scene. I mean, DC was sort of a major bluegrass hub for many, many years. And so it was uh, really weird and kind of regional that, our NPR affiliate would spend three hours a day, including the commuting hours on uh, nothing but bluegrass rather than say all things considered or uh, planet right. money or whatever. Right. In the early two thousands, they, they moved online and uh, that rankled a lot of the local bluegrass sorts. I remember uh, <laughs> Joe's record paradise, which was once uh, just an absolutely amazing record store in an industrial park in Rockville. The owner posted his like, canceled check on the cash register for his membership to wmu and it said no no bluegrass no membership um and since then things have not been going well so bluegrass country moved to 105.5 fm locally and you can hear it online um isn't it on and it's on like hd radio i think yeah it is it is yeah yeah. whatever the hell that is right (laughs) but nobody's figured it out it's a little thing in my car that lights up or not depending on the station Uh, i I think so but but i don't i don't i i'd be lying if i said that is smart (laughs) (laughs) um uh but anyway so so this has been really like kind of a beleaguered thing and i think there's there's a group that wants to really preserve this this part of the dc scene as being very bluegrass uh centric and they're actually trying so um the bluegrass country brand Mm -hmm. is essentially up for sale right now and that's years and years It's, it's about 49 years worth of um of uh radio broadcasts with people who again were just locally really important dig spotswood um eddie stubbs uh and um and it really played this sort of incubator hub role um they're up for sale there's a group called uh, the bluegrass country foundation that's trying to raise two hundred thousand dollars to buy it Mm -hmm. it's it's not really a revenue generator they operated at one hundred forty two thousand dollar loss last year which is which is not so attractive um, but again, you know, I think it, it, it just goes back to this idea of there's this there's this undersung piece of D.C. history of, you know, someone like like the Stoneman family band. Um, Scotty Stoneman was this uh, fiddler quoted. I think Jerry Garcia said he's he's the John Coltrane of the fiddle. Right. And right. Um, and, and and this is a guy whose work whose live work is really hard to find. You could hear him on Bluegrass Country. Um, it all speaks to this kind of this this weird cent- central role that that DC played um, in fostering bluegrass talent. So I'm not sure what the you know if if what people want to save here is the idea of a terrestrial radio station that 
plays bluegrass country. I don't think it's it's clearly not in line with how people consume music uh, these days. My my first question is that you know you have this this history of music basically contained in this, and that's part of what you're buying. You're buying this archive. Mm -hmm. Why is not like something like the Smithsonian looking at like this is? I mean, you worked for Folkways, yeah, right, right. You interned there. Uh, in case you were wondering how Eduardo gained all this knowledge. Why, why like most Brazilians, I care so deeply about yeah. bluegrass music. <laughs> you know, uh, and it, you know, this is the type of thing where, as a commercial event, look, you know, radio is going away. Yeah, yeah. There's some really interesting projects that we'll put links to the show notes so that local radio is popping up more and more. There's one in Tacoma, there's one in Arlington, mm-hmm. uh, and the range is only like 10 miles. Right. Uh, that's, and it's not, it's a, not, an, it's for a non-profit, but it's also, it's not, vi- it'll never be viable for, like, a for-profit model. Uh, and that's what they're, this has been, or, mm-hmm. aside from the losses. So, like, how do we get, not just these guys raising money, and these are people who have worked in it and worked in bluegrass. Oh, yeah. You know, if you look at the names, uh, I don't have them in front of me, but you look at the people, these are, these are big names, uh, that are able to raise the money. I think they've raised. How much, did you say they're, how much? I think I think they're at forty four, forty five yeah. out of the two hundred yeah. that they're trying to get. Um, and uh, it could be a new model for patronage. For it could be a new know, model for patronage, but, but it also it needs to be a thing. Like, uh, given that it's already just on the internet, right. like the Smithsonian, like could easily just pick this up, yeah, and get into that business. And and it might come to that. I know that, you know, what's funny is that a lot of the, so so Eddie Stubbs, who was one of the most frequent hosts on the show, mm-hmm. was in the Johnson Mountain Boys with Dudley Connell. And when I was at Smithsonian Folkways in the late 90s, Dudley and two other guys worked there. Like the mail room of Smithsonian Folkways in 1997 through the early 2000s was all working bluegrass musicians. Right. Who would take time off to like go tour with Alison Krauss or... Uh, to play with, like, Lynn Morris, who's from out in uh, Winchester, Virginia. Um, So all these guys are connected. It's a fairly small scene, and they're all tied to, like, the people who put out the Banjo newsletter, which was published for many years out of Annapolis, Maryland. I mean, again, there's there's just a, uh, you know, a real intense uh, uh, area of interest. I just don't, you know, the, 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 the kind of the realist in me wonders how how viable it is to even save this, as opposed to just say, it's going to be shelved, and it'll be a testament to, uh, you know, peculiar. Well, five decades in DC history. Can, I think we can start with something like you take like the Kingman Island Bluegrass Festival, which, like mm-hmm. most bluegrass festivals in the in the country right now, aren't really bluegrass, right? And and that's problematic, especially you know with that. Again, that's a that's a not for profit agency, uh, and why not talk about like talk to those people and say, hey. Can you do a series of concerts to raid? Like, if you really want to preserve that, I mean, because right now that festival needs to be changed to uh, Kingman Island Americana right. Festival. I mean, that's uh, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, this is like most uh, jazz festivals don't don't have you know. But you know, we're sitting here this weekend where we're celebrating the opening of the uh, African American History Museum, which mm-hmm. is huge, and we're seeing and and a spoiler, like I, I talked to Death, the band, and uh, we're seeing like music from that culture preserved there. Right. It's certainly preserved in the Smithsonian, but if we can do this in a more interactive way and, and almost have it be a preservation society, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important because, you know, we were joking about people uh, not having to read to listen to this stuff, but the reality is you have a more direct emotional response to something you hear or experience or see, or, uh, I mean, you're a photographer, Mauricio, and you know that people, uh, I, I, people probably don't read your stuff. <laughs> like, the no, pictures are the pictures are, are the, the pictures one. are what they what they are going to and the pictures are amazing the pictures are amazing <laughs> Mauricio takes Thank awesome you. pictures yeah. um, so uh, so what what are you what are you thinking about all this what we're talking about I never really listened to bluegrass music until I went to Virginia Tech where I uh, happened go to happen, yes we, let's go awesome Hokies. lately but uh, I happened on, on a Punch Brothers concert and then when I saw them. I started looking more into like the background, um, didn't know about Nickel Creek, and then I kind of went further back. Uh, whenever the record fairs happen around D.C., I try to pick up a couple bluegrass records. Mm-hmm. Um, the bluegrass uh, WAMU connection is something I learned recently also, but uh, honestly, like it, unless something like Smithsonian or a, a nonprofit decides to pick it up for archival purposes and maybe releasing and featuring certain concert recordings yeah. from the past... Yeah. I yeah I can't see it like existing anywhere else. Apple D- Music maybe needs a beats too. Well, I, I think it gets into the th- 
philanth- uh, philanthropy of uh, of music. Now, there's something that people don't talk about because it's not viable. I mean, right. it's funny you mentioned Apple Music doing something like this. Like They certainly have the cash to start preserving this and, honestly, serving it up for free. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we look at this now, as great as the Smithsonian is, there's no reason for people to actually go to the Smithsonian to experience a lot of what's there. Right. And it's something that I have just recently started to consider is how, just how much people don't know, like about their, about our own history. Right. So there, so there's the, the kind of the cultural preservation side of things. There's also the, the, the issue that if you only, um, carry forward music that is economically viable. Yeah. I mean, I hate to tell everyone we've ever covered on this podcast, but most of them would not, right? There's, 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 a, there's a very narrow slice of, of, uh, of uh, music and of musicianship that is truly fully economically viable today. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with the demise of, of classical music, right? It's yep. basically not, you know, they can't get, it's demographically and actuarially not viable. They've got another 10 or 15 years left before anyone who cares about classical music and routinely pays to consume it live is simply not among the living anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, jazz has wrestled with that um, repeatedly. And, and so there Folks is... Folks Day is coming soon. <laughs> right. I mean... Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, I think it's just... It's, it's, it's sadly kind of inevitable. I mean, even most of the places that I would imagine where people who cared about um, the Bluegrass Country broadcast would have congregated aren't really around anymore. I don't even know... Does Madam's Organ still do bluegrass on Wednesday nights? Bluegrass? I'm not sure. I know there's yeah. uh, Gypsy Sally's that yes. are sometimes bluegrass. So, and, and, yeah, and, that, and that's actually an example of a local venue that does support all this stuff. That I mean, honestly, I don't get to it enough. I mean, and to right, be clear, right. like, we like all kinds of music here. And, and you know, I was, we were driving around the other day listening to an uh, amazing set by uh, David Grisman and Jerry Garcia. Oh, yeah. That I might post on the show. I think it's, down, I think it's up on the archive. So uh, it's from Squaw Valley, and it's amazing. And, and it and what, it was like four it was like years ni- old, it was like ninety one or something. Or oh, was it ninety one? I'm trying to think. I uh, think this was like in the eighties. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, we don't often talk about all this stuff because and we're in the music journalism business, but we we don't talk about it until it's almost too late. <laughs> right. <laughs> you kind of accept right. it as like a fact of life, and then you're like, oh crap, they're about to go away. What? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean caverns I, when the jazz venues yep. closed down. Right, like, that, that's that's the worst example of this. Yeah, I never made it there. Like, ne- and like that's been yeah, on, that's been on my list forever. HR fifty seven gone. Mm-hmm. Like, so you know these things will disappear, and I think it's up to us, like not not us in this room, but us in general, to uh, do what we can, like to to keep them around. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, everything's going to be like out my balls and Kanye. And I don't think we want that, do we? We we, we are sort of headed to the Kanye singularity. Are I we? mean, I think I think the album we're going to talk about in a little bit illustrates <laughs> I, I, that. I think perhaps, right. but <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to put some links in the show notes for this and uh, and a donation button for this. Cool. And and actually, uh, I'm probably going to reach out to him and might have him on here. Oh, um, nice. To yeah, talk nice. about it because uh, as something we're going to be talking about later on this week, um, amplification, even just the smallest amount. Is a pretty powerful tool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If, awesome. If it takes like you and me sitting down here, Eduardo, I'm in an hour or two. Yeah, out of our lives, and it raises them even like ten bucks. Right, right. It's fine. Yeah, awesome. So, um, well, let's let's head on to the singularity then. <laughs> if that being the case, uh, here we go with Bonnie Vare's Twenty Two A Million. Thank you. 
track is uh 22 in parentheses uh capital o-v-e-r and then an s two infinity signs mm-hmm. and then uh the letter n in parentheses uh that kicks off this this third album uh proper from uh mr justin vernon otherwise known as bonnie Vare. you know this started out as him in a cabin uh as of the last album it is is expanded to include a uh a massive roster of musicians uh Curiously enough, a lot of them from Richmond, Virginia. All the horns, and so his band was mainly from Richmond, Virginia. Okay, um, which has a huge jazz scene. How, how yeah. that happened up? And, you know, actually, I don't know where where Sean Carey is from, but I oh interesting. I, I'm trying to yeah. figure out the connection, there, and uh, we might ask Lorray. Okay, about that. But uh, this is uh, this was one of those albums that I don't think we knew was coming. He had said, what four years ago now that he was done with music. I think. Uh, and then proceeded to, to. Did he? Was that an announcement, or was that something that just came up somewhere? In I mean, an he, interview? that's what he said. It okay. was. It was. Okay. Yeah. So a, an announcement, whatever. Which we'll get into. I kept, stuff I kept like read, that. Like I kept reading interviews that would say, like you know, that he announced he was done with music, and that versus <laughs> like being asked, "Hey, is there another album?" And him saying, "I'm not sure. I'm going to do more." Is, yeah, yeah. Those are very different things. Well, right? well what he what he <laughs> so. did is he wor- moved into like production a lot. He built a studio in right, Eau Claire, right. Wisconsin, where he was from. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, so. Okay. And and he uh and you know my family Daria's side of the family is from Wisconsin. We have roots there. It's it's gorgeous and it, it contextualizes all this stuff in a way that uh if you haven't been to Wisconsin you, you should go cuz cuz you'll get it. Put some cheese on your head, boy. Yeah, put put some and cheese on your head. To Wisconsin. Uh, but he also moved on to and we haven't been yet, but to put together with some guys in the National uh one of probably the best festivals in the country the eau claire festival right uh along the river uh it's i mean wisconsin is gorgeous where they live is gorgeous and and this is a uh this is run in the spirit of like newport if you haven't been to newport like it's it's not bonnaroo it's not you were just Lollapalooza. it's it's not this like mass consumerism thing it's really focused on the music um and and you know that's been this whole groups we're talking about people like him uh, Nick and Amelia from Sylvanesso, Phil Cook, like this whole Wisconsin crew mm-hmm. uh, that, weirdly enough, all came Wisconsin and North Carolina and uh, and were in DeArmond Edison, and then went, he went back to Wisconsin <laughs> and abandoned North Carolina. All those guys are still down there. Wow. So they're, you know, basically bumping up the rally scene. That's why that's exploding. Huh. Yeah, okay. Um, would you guys say expectations were high? What's <laughs> this? You know, I'd, I'd I'd say they were pretty high. <laughs> I'd say that uh, people people are uh, on on both sides of the aisle are primed to have strong reactions oh, to yeah. just oh, yeah. about anything he does. But but this album in particular, I think, and and some of that is the the, the Kanye relationship that happened. Um, some of that is the fact that this album is categorized by iTunes as hip hop. I think yeah. is that that's what? in the what yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, this is for a lot of people. This is like the musical Jesus. This mm-hmm. is this is what you know. For Emma Forever Ago, it blew open indie rock and made it acceptable for a lot of people. A lot of people your age, Mauricio, which is why I'm really glad you're here. Ah, uh, the youths. <laughs> no, it's not even the youths. It's just like we 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 sort of represent different segments of yeah, uh, age wise of of stuff that was coming out and stuff that was popular. So, uh, I I actually will start with you, uh, Mauricio, when you know. You, uh, you were a fan of his before, obviously, and you do like to cover a lot of more electronic stuff. So, so when you heard this, what what was your first thought uh, based on your expectations? Well, I've always considered Bonnie Vera as like I think most people consider Bonnie Vera as the solitary kind of like looking out the window, also in a cabin. You can envision yeah. yourself in a cabin, Sno- kind of snow thing. falling, maybe. Yeah, snow yeah, falling. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, like yeah. The, that was the sound aesthetic, I guess. Most people pegged on the first album. 
Um, and then when he won the Grammy and kind of like said, I'm out, it was kind of like, oh crap, what's going on? And then this whole thing came out. I think the first, the first thing I want to say is 2016 has been a year of like really overhyped albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that in, yeah, in Frank that, Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this year because I mean, we've had things like social media and Reddit or whatever, what have you, everything to talk about music and I feel like this year, like every album from some established artists like Edgar Reviews has been super, super hyped. So I think that also plays into it. People were expecting for a while. It's like, so what cabin are we going to be like looking out of this time? What kind of like sound like is going to yeah, be happening? Yeah, yeah. And then he kind of just goes like, you know, turns the, his whole like idea of Bon Iver upside down in a way. In but a I, way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say it's still, it still fits, uh, one of it. I'm trying to be- figure out the best way to describe this. It feels like a cathartic album. It feels like he's put a lot of soul into it in a way that I guess Kanye tried to do with his latest Life album. Pablo. He got the, they, he got like the, he has a lot of gospel influences. I felt like with this latest album that mm. I really liked it. He kind of tries to uplift you in a different way than he did with, you know, banjos and guitars with his first album. My, my first response to that though is like, how do you get that through all of the machine? Because there are people that make this type of music uh, very well, and and can you can fuse electronic music into a thing, and you can still feel that human heart in this. It, this is so buried in vocoder uh, that there's uh, there's no human connection. There's no for for somebody like me, it's impenetrable. I can't. Uh, I I there's no emotion, and it's it feels like a very cynical move towards Kanye. I mean, he's. He's mentioned his friendship with him. He worked on him, and I think it worked on Pablo. Yeah, I think Kanye probably worked on this. Yeah, and uh, confusingly, Justin Vernon also said he's not into fame or into people who care we're, about we're being we're famous. So getting <laughs> that. Um, and uh, but but so so, what do you find about it that's connecting? Is it just like a generational thing? I don't know. I mean, like I never really think much about the generational thing in music. I just think about like what it feels like. I mean, you mentioned that like the the voice, the vocoder, kind of yeah. like takes away or puts a barrier between the person and the uh the musician mm-hmm. i feel like you can still you can still hear his his voice in there in like songs like creaks but it's like very distorted <laughs> you know i think i think he like the orchestral portion of some of the tracks also helps build a connection for that for the, some of the songs yeah um i you can still get the emotion from a lot of his music and some of the stuff is kind of like what is this like uh 10 death Breast, the which I'm not about I, think, to... I think we need to talk about that because that's a yeah i think it was i think the first two tracks that came out uh online for this album were a little bit misleading when i think about the rest of the album it felt a little bit it felt more orga- organic than the other two tracks that came out but not fully because you said right the electronics right. and all the other stuff and, yeah and, and it does as you as you progress through this album it you know you get to uh I actually like the uh, song uh, hashtag Strafford uh, Apartments. Yeah, that's my favorite. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. and, and, that, and it's that's a, it's a Bonnie Vare song. There's, yeah, there's it's a, a Bonnie there's, there's a Bonnie Vare song but, in there. You know, we right? talked about so. this actually with and and last week we talked about Flock of Dimes. Uh, you guys haven't heard it, and it's not because it hasn't come out yet. But uh, time travel and all that. Uh, but you know, naturally, we, we we talked about this like the the expectations you have on an artist just based on who that artist is. And there seems to be some line that an artist can cross because we celebrate people who like push the limits. Yeah, we celebrate Radiohead mm-hmm. when they did yeah. that. Not so not, much, not, not, not me personally. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> but you know, we celebrate that. But then there is a, is a point where it's just an artist is doing what they want, which we weirdly all support. But it's not what necessarily we want that quote unquote product to be. And for me, like that this album as a whole falls into that where it's just I, I don't see anything Bonnie Vare in it at all. And I got no skin in the game. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan. I never have been. Uh it didn't blow my like forever uh forever forever ago. It didn't blow my mind. I quite liked, even though I made fun of it, Beth Rest on the last one because it sounds exactly like Gloria Love. Right. <laughs> <by> Peter Cetera. <laughs> but this this idea that he's he's using all, uh, especially those first two tracks that are more abrasive and and more uh, 
in your face and in your face and, and more of a mess. Yeah. Like they don't make sense. Uh and it, it it ends up like the whole thing just sort of confuses me a little bit. Not as bad as avalanches, but <laughs> but, but disappointed after a long wait. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Kevin was not waiting for it. <laughs> yes, I, I, was, I didn't know who avalanches were. Oh, so uh, but uh, Eduardo. No, I think um, I'm wondering how I would have reacted to the album without uh, the second track on it, without Death Breast on it, or whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I do hear things that interest me in in the rest of the album, and I think it's something. While I don't find it. Uh, necessarily gripping. It's an album that I would not have a problem with leaving on. Um, as it stands, as it was released, I would never just put it on and go do something else or leave it on because I know that that, that three minutes in, I'm going to be <laughs> assaulted <laughs> by the second track, right. which is just which is just egregious and offensive. And 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 there might be a really good song in there, but but the but the sort of the low distorted uh, percussive sounds on it are just not appealing and they're like mm. and they're not even disquieting in a in a fun and challenging way it's just fucking annoying but, but, so, so the, that one? <laughs> but so the bonnie Vare fan is like going but it's art man like how do you react to that i think it's i don't know i think um i think there's th- there's nothing on this that is that is more forward looking than anything on kid a yeah except the two releases are 16 years apart and yeah. <laughs> and we're celebrating this as a tremendous you know kind of well, not New yet. We haven't read the press. We don't yeah, know. Sorry, we, right. we don't know. We aren't. I suspect, we aren't. I suspect the NPR set will be oh uh, <laughs> will be falling over <laughs> themselves to to uh, congratulate yeah. him for Let, this. Let's let's play a track right now. And this is uh, this is a track. It's this is going to be divisive. And I think oh, I'm outnumbered one? here, but that's okay, man. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, the name of this track is can't even fuck it. It can't say it. Uh, Creek. It's the it's the it's the command that you seven fifteen cr sigma sigma ks. Yeah, it's. Spe- Go ahead. It's the command that I would put into DOS when I needed to copy a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was in the middle of copying Leisure Suit Larry yes, yes. from, from my friends, to, I would have to type that in to okay. get it copied so, over. So this is, this is <laughs> Creeks. Down along the creek, I remember something. Heard the heron First the breach that last Sunday Low moon down the yellow road I remember something That evening wasn't easy and all that heaving in my vines And certainly it's evening and it's now or it's not the time Toiling with your blood I remember something Being rushing, kissing on a night Second to last Finding both your hands If second sun came past the glass And oh, I know it felt bad I had you in my grasp Cause it once might not mean something And love a second glance It is not something that will mean Honey, understand that I have been left here in the reeds But all I'm trying to do is get my feet up from the creeds And I see That was the uh, newest SNL skit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> talk about feelings and vocals. That, that was Creeks, and uh, we were making a lot of jokes about that. Uh, but you know, this is this is sort of indicative of how he's using this technology on this album, and uh, there are parts of it that I can get into. But after a while, it does. It starts to feel like a gimmick. I mean, because it is a gimmick, and it's so weird that here's a guy who, if you read the interviews, 
He's had a little, uh, had a little trouble lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's had a rough go these past few years. So uh, troubles with like specifically depression and anxiety, which I can relate to. Uh, that's what I'm medicated for. Mm-hmm. So I mean, no, there's no haterade being poured out on that. <laughs> but uh, as I was saying upstairs, like the uh, what you do for that is get treatment. I don't know that you go and record an album, and so like he's hiding behind this instead of actually like letting you see his feelings. And it does end up sounding like a skit. I mean, this is going to get made fun of on Saturday Night Live, like, day one. Like, hopefully and, on the episode where he's on it. <laughs> and, and I absolutely hear the, the, the thing that you would indict that track on, which is um, sort of like Imogen Heap reading uh, her grocery shopping yes. list into a voice oh, coder. You brought that up, and, and you it, that up before on this. calling it music, right? Like, did, you <laughs> say that, did you bring that up on the Radiohead podcast? Mm. I think you did, Moonshade Pool, yes. I might have. I, I know. I know. I tweeted something about her looking up and saying, "But they got to be songs, bro. You can't just <laughs> you can't just you can't just read a list into a vocoder and call it a song." Um, so so I hear that. I still think that that the way the song is delivered, and even you know the extensive uh, manipulations um, of sound, do give the song a kind of really evocative pathos that I can sort of suspend my cynicism for until until. Until the song gets used by like David Fincher or Spike Jones mm-hmm. or someone like that in like a pivotal kind of breakup scene m- moment oh, it's, or it's something, it's going to be in a rom com. Yeah, no, it will be. And, 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 and there's no questions asked. Yeah, um, it might, it might be. He might hold out for something more serious. Like I, I was trying to imagine, like, okay, so if Brad Pitt and, and Angelina Jolie actually make a movie about their divorce, oh my god, and have like David O. <laughs> Russell it, come and do it. <laughs> What, right? what, As a what commentary are you commentary? opening on this show right now? So if and when that happens, the pivotal scene where Brad Pitt is drunk on the plane and yep, potentially fighting with it his now. kid yep. okay. will okay. yep. we'll have that song played. So. Okay, you know, it... <laughs> Mauricio, defend, defend yourself, sir. <laughs> defend oh. your feelings. Oh, so I really like this song. I don't... I, I mean, it's it's sparse. I mean, like, it's just his voice and the vocoder. Mm. I think that if it was just an acapella, like, just him singing, I don't think I would like it as much. I like the again. It's the electronic lover in me. Like I like right. the different like flourishes that come that add like a background, kind of like a, a bassy, you know. Uh, just it sounds like keyboards, but just like you know, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this right here is very is a very unique track. I would I would listen to this like I'd listen to this on the way here. Would you I put it could, on a mixtape? Is that what you're saying? Is this is this like a cabin by yourself mixtape? I think <laughs> I, aren't I, they all? I, so this is this is what I was saying earlier with the it's still it's still Bonnie Vera in a way yeah. where it's like still like solitary like you know thinking or what have you. This is like one of those things I can play if I'm like you know sitting down at home or just relaxing. Like this track right here is it it feels soothing, especially with the mm, with the vocoder feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like the it just. The feeling you get from listening to that I think is a little bit more satisfying than ten death breasts. I think if I think if the album opened with that, so if you omit the second track and you open with Creeks and then you get the rest of the album, it would be an EP. So, yeah, what's the, what's what's the, what's the running what's the running time here? Sorry, Sorry that was too easy. Um, I no, I, I really like a lot of the tracks on the album. I think like if you, if like I said earlier, if you take out that one song, like. From start to finish, I think it. it I like albums that have, that evoke a certain aesthetic. I like mm-hmm. the second Alt J album, whereas people like the first a lot more. But I feel like the second one had a lot more atmosphere. I like this album a lot because it feels like it has a certain like uh, gospel inspired atmosphere, uh, but still in a Bonnie Vere way. But you know, less folky banjos. It's not really folk music anymore. I don't know what you call this. Well, exactly. yeah, I, I, I want to whip out the dreaded phrase uh, tone poem. Is that sort of what it is to you? Like, are, are you are you paying attention to the lyrics, or are you just reacting to the, just the pure sound of it? Sometimes the lyrics sometimes make you know uh, not that much sense, and other times I just can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. So for the ones he can't understand what he's saying, I'm just usually hearing and the you know the just like hear some pleasing noises. I'm processing it, and then well, that's always been part of part of the appeal of Bonnie Vera, right? Is that is that there's always been. Um, uh, you know phrases that are just hard to to make out and then and then the one that you can all of a sudden hear you sort of hold on to and like it'll kind of startle you and i think that's part of the appeal and i think justin vernon has a has a gift for writing those kinds of 
poignant lines and then bringing them out in the production. I think he has a good ear for melody. Mm-hmm. I don't think the fact that I dislike um, a good portion of this album changes that. Um, but in Creeks, when he says, I, I forget exactly what the line is, but it's something like, I had you in my grasp. And, you know, there's a, there's a real sense of anguish there and pain. Um, it might not matter, given how much thought he seems to put into the lyrics, that he says he likes the phrase, it might be over soon, because it also rhymes with 22, which is his favorite number. <laughs> and well, it holds some mystical significance for him. Let's, you know? get, into <laughs> that. let's get into that now. Now, so so despite you know the look, and you know as as uh, just a, a a listening experience, it's actually not offensive, which is damning it with faint praise. But still, it's it's not offensive. The, ba- the back half of it is just I just kept writing. Okay, this is this is sort of a bon right, air song, right? Right, right. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um. And uh. And again, we we've mentioned. The track Stratford Apartments. I mean, that's actually uh, uh, that's the only time I can connect with anything on this. Uh, going through, yeah. uh, other than that, like you know, it might be over soon. Like this is a lot of like dorm room, your high, like just philosophy. Uh, that I I just don't expect that from like grown ass people, <laughs> right? <laughs> and. Do you have a favorite number, Kevin? A number that means something well, that's what to I'm you, talking about. That, so, you know, that you would try to work into an album. So, so, <laughs> or, so to get to so to take a detour away from the actual like uh, music on this album into like how this album is being presented to us, uh, and you know, right now in the press is like they're gearing up. He's done two terrible things. Uh, <laughs> one of them, one of them was host a press conference yeah. uh, in, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and invite all, all like, what, 27 journalists. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want to drop this little bomb here, you know, to anybody protecting this album. Uh, one of those journalists leaked it. Right. We've had this album for a month. We have not been contacted by their PR agency at all. Right. And we did not seek it out. We did not do... Somebody literally sent it to us. And there's only one way... That person got it mm-hmm. at the time that it came out. So, you know, for for when we talk about like hyping up albums and stuff, like this is not the way to do it. Uh, so so, but that was horrible. And then he just did a a uh, a interview with the Guardian, where he talks at length about uh, not being like self involved and how all this stuff. And it's the most self involved yeah. like thing ever. I mean, he is clearly. All about Justin Vernon and and nothing else right now, which is actually fine. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but just a word of advice, like just to not just Justin, but people uh, trying to push their own product. Like, if you don't want to do it, don't. Because when you say things like this, like that, your fans are going to eat it up. And if you look at the comments on that, the fans did eat it up. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about, but it, even last night, and I, I had took everything in me not to respond to this but he was he complained about pitchfork calling him out in a headline about things he literally said right like they were just he, they he were just they were just like quotes. playing he said that, he doesn't like playing for live nation and that beyonce yes. shouldn't have taken a two million uh, that two million dollar yes. deal from pepsi to, and and that's not calling you out bro right. That's that's that's, 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 that's journalism. quoting you accurately <laughs> that's, that's quoting <laughs> right. you accurately and reporting right. And and I think that's a problem with a little bit what's going on in this camp and maybe the confusion he had, you know, in that article in the Guardian, he talks about like he wanted to scrap it because he didn't know how to make sense of it. I don't think he did make sense of it, uh, and maybe he should have, and maybe he should stick to this Eau Claire thing because it, it it just doesn't feel like his heart is necessarily in it. But I and I, there's no way we can speak to that. We don't know him, right. but there's he had no reason to make this album. None. Well, he, I mean, aside from keeping a living, you know, he's, he's got a doing, living. Still, if you read this. that article, like it, it, it is, it is the travels of a privileged white kid. Like, <laughs> he said bouncing, he kept moving, bouncing right. around the globe, like from, oh, from hotel to hotel. hotel, like, to hotel. Oh, this, this hotel is depressing me. Life so I'm is very go hard. To like, and at that point, I give zero fucks about yeah. your feelings, especially here in 2016. Like, it is so like uh, anathema to what is going on in mm-hmm. just America. Never mind the world in 2016. That it has no place in this landscape. And go ahead. He did. He so there. There were some interesting things in that um, Guardian article that that if he follows through on, I think will be will be just fun to watch. And I and that I would applaud. Like he wants to go to the town where they filmed Northern Exposure, which is 
yeah. his favorite show, which is actually where the band name is Great from. Show. And just right, and just and just play a bunch of like five dollar shows with his full band at like the community center yes. or something. <laughs> which hey, that's awesome. Right. Um it's it's gimmicky. Um, but but if you want to rethink the relationship between uh, a performer and the audience and just and just not follow the predefined script of release, tour, support, do publicity, um, that's great. I don't think that, um, for example, I think I think to your point earlier, Kevin, like the idea that only those 27 media outlets that were there get to talk to him and and report on him and yeah. and hear the music is particularly novel i think that's actually a very old script it's a, it's an of, old script but it's also bad in the fact that like if you have to explain your album to somebody you did not make a good album yeah like that that and i don't i don't care like there's ego involved in this is something that kanye would do right kanye did and if you if you disagreed with him like then you were bad I and think then, uh, these days it, it's pretty hard to separate the personality from the musician. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These days, especially after you know going winning his album or winning Grammy for the album, then all the quietness, and then like all of a sudden releasing an album, having everyone come to him like with all the attention, you know, I think also may have gotten to his head. Like, I think some people don't realize what they're. Like you're saying, they don't realize what they're saying. Yeah, like, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm a super modest person. But I, they're... I don't. Yeah, I don't think people are generally equipped for fame. But I mean, let's be real too. How famous is he really? Well, not, he compl- he not very. In the he scope complained of about people coming up to him and asking to have their picture taken with him or or whatever. Right. Um, and I'm I'm sorry, but that's not like a, a, you know every time. So I've met musicians as just a pure fan, where I'm just like, yes, hey, I'm a huge fan of your work. Thank you. Right. And, and, and unfailingly, every single musician responds by being flattered, by recognizing that they can make a living because people take an interest in their work. And I'm not saying that they owe the fans that. No. But it's just not that hard to give someone, assuming you're not a wacko, just to give someone 20 seconds to say, hey, thank you for taking the time to notice me to come talk to me. Um, and I, you know, and thank you for being a fan. To, to to bitch about having people want to take their picture with you when I, I mean I guess I don't know what being famous is well, like and, but and, and that's why like just from reading that article that's why I had like great concern about like his mental state at least in the like panic panic attacks are not to be fucked around with they will put you in the hospital and they can but if that's this is not the time for somebody like that like whether it's him or any other artist to be going out and doing any of this stuff because your, Maybe, men, your yeah. mental state Maybe. is yeah. not is not okay. And it's important that it be okay. But you you're, know, so you don't think making music is a good way of therapy for someone? I, I, I think it is. But if you just do it for that, then that's fine. But there's no obligation. Like he he's saying that there's some obligation put on, upon him. Uh, at least this is how it comes off to to speak about this music now. And there's none. Well, if, it's if 2016. You, there's obligation to like know about everything about if 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 you want that purity that he's speaking of in the music, he has no obligation to do any press. He has no he has no obligation to play any shows. He made this for him for mm-hmm. therapy and it it just rings false and it rings like like the stuff that Kanye is talking about and it's just weird uh relationship with fame and self-involvement and and not understanding like how popular or influ- or like in the world sense influential uh you are. Like look, Kanye May sell however many albums. Life it won't change the fact that life of Pablo was just just a steaming turd. <laughs> but uh, in the actual world, the effect he has zero. The world we have know today, the way things work, it's zero. It can bring happiness to somebody maybe for five minutes, but that does not like get kids education. That doesn't right. stop black kids from getting killed in the street. Right. You know, neither does you know. It's great at the death show. They they premiered a song. Uh, and I'm leaking into the Truckers podcast now, but they pre- uh, released a song called Cease Fire, huh. right? Which is a direct response, and it was the first time it had ever been played, and nobody had heard it, uh, and a direct response to what is going on right now, specifically right. the Charlotte riots and, and the killing in Tulsa. Uh, w- what Kanye is concerned with, and, and to some extent Justin Vernon, is his own feelings, or maybe he could fuck Taylor Swift. <laughs> And that's that unacceptable, song. right? It, it's, music should play a role in you know social issues as well, but I don't think all music needs to play a role like this. I agree this, with that. I agree with that. Like I don't and, think and Justin Vernon doesn't necessarily have an obligation 
to do that. But I think, no. but I think where, where, where he loses those of us who do live in the real world is, is when you complain about, um, the trappings of fame and, and how uncomfortable you are being famous and having a platform and being able to make a living, uh, and going to Santorini at the wrong, like during the wrong season, like that, that was yeah. just, a, you know, like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm not that yeah, sympathetic. Yeah, that was so, like, uh, rough life. <laughs> you know, right? because, because to be clear, like, if he, if he really believes all this stuff, here's what you do, man. Don't sell, not t- interview. like, like, not, not an interview, give your tickets away for free. People were properly dinging him. He's like, oh, that's why you're playing a Ticketmaster Live Nation venue and I can't get tickets to your right. show. Uh, you know, do that. Go play for kids. Go, you know, go do these things, and you're going to take a huge financial loss, and that's okay. That's that's actually admirable, I think. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to talk about the greater good, and you're somehow contributing to it, you got to step up. But yeah. do you think about also like the you know label obligations? Like you know, if he, make, he had to like he had to do this interview, and then the Guardian guy because it's, you know everyone's trying to find out everything about this so album. Go independent. He he probably should. Everybody should. should. Yeah. There, there's not, there's yeah. not a question. Right. Like everybody <laughs> should go independent. There is no reason in 2016, aside from maybe a distribution network and physical product, which we're seeing like record sales have declined now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we're we're starting back down that slope. So there's legitimately no reason as long as you're comfortable with your market share. So as long as you understand, if you're a little band from Washington D.C., you might make enough touring to support yourself. As a starving artist, you're probably not gonna get above that. You have so many bands to listen to now, and yeah, the yeah. creative middle class is a thing now. There's just so much music being put out. Like I know, like when I saw Bob Boylan speak at NPR, he talked about we would get like thirty or forty albums a year mm-hmm. to right. listen to at the record store, and now there's just like you know thirty or forty a week or something. It's or a month. day, no, it's and yeah. really a day. Just like yeah. if you talk about the entirety of the music world, like there's. Yeah. And the, and the rate determining step is still we're only awake for fourteen hours a day, give or take, or sixteen. Yeah, or, yeah. I don't sleep ten hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, it's become like it's a music working class now. So I mean, yeah, Bonnie Vare could definitely you know go on his own and you know make a decent living and not have to live the flashy lifestyle. That's the key well, word, a decent living. Yeah, because that's what happened back in the day. That's that's what happens in like honestly the countries you guys are from. Yeah, people right. more much more so than in America. People are actually it's it's just accepted. You go out and you can busk, mm-hmm. and it's not like some hip artist thing. Like you know, like we saw in, in Montreal, even a guy was like, "I quit uh, uh, my uh, day job to become a musician because I hated waking up at six a.m." It's like, well, you're never getting any money because that's a dick <laughs> move. Because <laughs> like, you're gonna have to wake up at five. Right. You're gonna have to hustle now. Right. Uh, because you just took it, whatever, you know, earning potential you had, you just dropped it to zero, buddy. Yeah. Um, so now we, now we properly like got through that. Um, were you talking about the album? I forgot. No, <laughs> we, no, we, we are, we are. And it's talking about like Bonnie Vera's the experience, which is not the new ride at Disney, although it might be, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how uh, narrated uh, by Creeks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Creek sentient now? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, did you hear? Did you guys hear about the uh, the uh, AI that composed the song? That can w- compose a song? Yes. No. Uh, I'll send you guys. I'll send wow. you both the links. Okay. off like, uh, Casey brought it to my attention, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Wow. <laughs> like, we're doing I feel like it just takes a bunch of like song tropes, like "Girl, yes. I'm not going to play no games no more." Yep. You know, and just like puts that into like every couple songs that they put. So. Yep. A single on course. Oh, a couple of like whistles and stomps and yep. hand claps and oh. Well, now, now, now we have a machine that can do that. Is it is it streaming? <laughs> on, is, is it streaming on Spotify yet? I don't know. <laughs> and Apple and, Music and, exclusive. <laughs> Spotify getting bought and changed their name to uh, Skynet, folks. Yeah. That's the breaking news right here. Um, now, so um, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's start with you, uh, Mauricio. Yeah, you have a couple options here. You can uh, buy it. This is what you're recommending to people. You can buy it, you can stream it, which is basically just try it out. You can tell people to just pass completely on it. What are you going to do? I I like the album as a whole. I think it it serves a certain like sound aesthetic that um, I really connect with personally. I'm going to say buy it. Okay. Eduardo? I, I'm, I can't pass on it because uh, I really do like that Creek song, and I, and I, and I suspect... I feel like you can't really judge a Bonnie Vera album until 
it's actually winter and it's snowed and you have to play it in the snow. <laughs> and if it works, then, then maybe that's okay. So I think, um, I can't endorse either of the extremes. So I, so by definition, I'm just a stream. Okay. I will also say I did listen to this on my flight down to Florida, yeah. you know, looking out the window with all the clouds. So maybe that may have, oh, like, yeah, yeah, there that you may go. have like added a little like emotional <laughs> connection right there, but I think it was like a, a perfect album to listen to on like a flight looking at the clouds. I could see that. I am uh there should be no surprise. I'm going to pass. pass. <laughs> it's, it's a hard pass. It's, it's, uh, and it's not, not like avalanches. We're just passing on the concept of avalanches. I, I enjoy a lot of Justin's work. Uh, and, and, uh, not just that the people that he gets to work with him, um, Kanye, not Kanye, <laughs> not Kanye, Mr. West. And I, I love Kanye. <laughs> Yeah, like, I I will go to the so mat does Kanye. All <laughs> I don't love Kanye like Kanye. <laughs> he actually loves himself, so others can love themselves. Yes, which is which is a that. huge yeah. Um, you know, but uh, as far as this this new phase, this new exploration in uh, Bonnie Vera's career, I just can't endorse it. So, uh, it might be over soon, according to the first track. So appreciate I it hope, while it's I here. Fucking <laughs> hope it is. It's like no, <laughs> that's, that's horrible. Uh, so, uh, Bonnie Bears, uh, 22 a million, uh, is in stores now, and, uh, hopefully we have at least helped you shape your opinion if you weren't in the, in the fan club already. So, thank you guys for coming down. Cheers. Sure as a living dream It's not all in what it seems And the whole thing's hard to wait A wound and to roll it up To roll it up To hold it in your fabric There you go. Uh, Bonnie Vera's 22 million. That's how we felt about it. Uh, I, I forgot to mention up front that you get to hear Mauricio in this, and Mauricio is out shooting shows for us uh, a lot and uh, has some real solid opinions on uh, on music, and, and it was real fun to have him down here, and, and hopefully he's going to be back soon because I think he did a great job. So reach out and tell him. Uh, he's at the Mauricio on Twitter. He's also uh, just Mauricio at ChunkyGlasses.com. If you're a band and you want him to come out and shoot you, uh, and I mean photograph, uh, then definitely reach out to him and say, hey, man, uh, would you like to cover our show? And, and if he has time, I almost guarantee you uh, that he does it. Um, so uh, if you want to talk about this review or Bonnie Vera's album, there's comments right below. You can always email us. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, do what you like, but we're open to talk about it. The just because we hit uh, the record button, turn it to off, does not mean the conversation has to end. Uh, so, so if that's your thing and you want to talk about it like respectfully, uh, then, uh, then we'll do that. And before we get out of here this time, uh, as I promised up front, I wanted to play an example of an artist that was most definitely, uh, influenced by, uh, Justin Vernon's work, uh, is, is a good friend to, uh, to the site, talking about one Louis Weeks. He put out a, a magnificent album last year called Ha Ha. It it was uh, in in all the things they're saying about twenty two million genre bending experimental, uh, which yeah that word needs to be taken out of the uh, music journalist lex lexicon, but whatever. Uh, but all these things he's saying, uh, they're saying about this definitely apply to ha ha. Uh, so we're gonna play my favorite track off the album, which which starts off in one way and then goes a whole different direction, and and just uh, it's it's fantastic as is the rest of the album, as is his whole catalog, uh, as is Louis. So. So get ready, prep your ears, here you go. This is White Moth off of Louis Week's Ha Ha coming at you.
Name of the track is White Moth. Name of the artist is Louis Weeks. He's uh, from right here in D.C. Uh, so if you're listening to uh, this outside of D.C. and we're like, holy crap, who is that? Look him up. It's on all the streaming services. It's on, on Spotify, Apple Music. It's on Bandcamp. I believe it's on SoundCloud. Uh, he, he's out there. And uh, I think he's working on some new stuff, which if he is, I can't wait to hear it. So that's our podcast for uh, for this time and our podcasts for this week. Uh, as usual, we thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can uh, rate us there. You can leave us a message there. Uh, you can subscribe to us uh, in Stitcher. You can listen to us there. You can also do it in Mixcloud, in uh, Google Play. You can do it in uh, Deezer and still have not got up on SoundCloud, but but I swear we are working uh, towards that. We are now in the thick of October, and I have some uh, really cool stuff coming up here. Uh, you already heard our interview with Ab. Uh, if if you uh, Aaron Abernathy, if you haven't gone out and uh, bought Monologue, do that now. But we're going to be actually dissecting the album coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about a new one from His Golden Messenger on Monday. Uh, that album, Heart Like a Lovey, is is pretty pretty fantastic and fantastical. Uh, and then uh, Nord Jones has a new one, and uh, you know it just gets better from there. The entire month as we as we get into the end of the year, and um, and we're going to have a special Halloween episode. So look out for that. Comes out on, uh, curiously enough, Halloween. That's your podcast for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a few days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!